0: soft story classic bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest episode 13. At about the same time that Nell Lamar met with her adventure with Wolf, important events were transpiring at Glen Forest. Mrs. Clendenin was summoned away to a distance from home by the serious illness of a sister of her late husband. Ignorant of the pre- precise nature of the d- disease, she was unwilling to expose Marion to it, and though almost equally reluctant to leave her behind, decided upon that as the safer course. So with much tender motherly counsel bestowed upon this child of her love, and many an injunction to Vashti to watch over her darling, she took her departure. The young girl felt expressively lonely without the mother, who had been to her friend, teacher, and almost sole companion, everything in one, for they had led a very secluded life. Paying and receiving few visits, indeed, saw him going anywhere but to church, except that Marian took many a ramble and many a ride on her pony through the adjacent woods and over the nearer hills, usually unaccompanied, say by K.S., a huge mastiff who had hitherto proved a most efficient protector. Mrs. Clendenin had indeed never been neglectful of the Christian duty of ministering to the sick and suffering so far as lay in her power, and Marion was in this regard following in her mother's footsteps. A mile away over the eastern hills lived two elderly maiden ladies, Esther and Janet Burns, the one a paralytic, the other feeble and nearly blind from cataract. They had a farm, the rent of which yielded them a support, but their lives were lonely, and Marion's visits were a great boon. She had fallen into the habit of going over almost daily to woodland, as their place was called, and spending an hour in reading to them from the works of one or another of her favorite authors. The Clannanans had been for generations great lovers of books, and the library at Glen Forest, though what would be considered small and of little value in these days, was large and select compared with those of their neighbors. Marian continued her visits to Woodland after her mother had gone, and because she found it so much less lonely than there than at home, sometimes lingered half the day to the great content of the Mrs. Burns. They would gladly have induced her to take up her abode with them during her mother's absence, but to that she would by no means consent. Home was home after all, and though it might be pleasant to spend a part of the day elsewhere, when night came she wanted to be in her own familiar room, and with old Vashti within call on sunday marion always attended service in the little country church spoken of in a former chapter the neighborhood was a very quiet one few coming or going the same faces showing themselves in the sanctuary sunday after sunday and the sight of a new one was always a source of no little interest it may therefore be supposed that the event Among them, a week after Mrs. Clendenin set out on her journey of a fine-looking young man, a total stranger, well-dressed, and of serious and gentlemanly deportment, created some little stir and excitement, especially among the young portion of the congregation. He sat in the pew of Mr. George Grimes, who kept the nearest inn, and the services had not been over many minutes before everyone knew that he had engaged bored there for a month, and that he was an Englishman, apparently wealthy, having brought a ballet with him. The congregation had passed out into the churchyard and a subdued hum of voices exchanging neighborly greetings and inquiries after each other's health mingled pleasantly with the twittering of birds, the sighing of the wind through the forest, and the low murmur of the stream on the further side of the road. The stranger stood aside, looking on and listening with a well bred air of kindly interest. Who is that, Grimes? he asked, his eye following amiringly a graceful girlish figure as it tripped past them down the path that led out to the road where the horses were tied, and with the assistance of one of the young men, who stepped eagerly forward to give it, sprang lightly into the saddle. "'Miss Marian Clendenon of Glen Forest, Mr. Littleton, one of the prettiest young ladies in the county!' I may Judge O' Beauty,' replied Grimes, lifting his hat to the fair girl. "'She sits her horse well,' remarked the stranger, still following her with his eyes, as she cantered away in the direction of her home, Caius bounding nimbly on by the pony's side. "'But she seems quite alone. Is there no more of the family?' most of them lie yonder replied grimes pointing to a row of graves not far from the spot where they stood children all died young but this girl and an older brother who went west years ago father died within the last year and the mothers away nursing a sick sister i hear Littleton seemed interested, asked several more questions, walked over to the graves, and carefully read the inscriptions on the tombstones, Grimes standing by his side and going on with much garrulity to tell all he knew uh, or had ever heard of the family, and that was not a little, for he was a great gatherer and retailer of news, for which few had better opportunities. He spoke of the late Mr. Clannan as a man of singularly secluded habits, upright and honest in all his dealings, but strangely averse to the society of his kind. And I suppose, he added, that's what has kept his wife and daughter pretty much shut up at home. At any rate, the girl's never seen at a corn husking or quilting or any sort of merrymaking, and the young fellows never get a chance to wait on her. And the only place she does go to is woodland to read to those poor, sickly old ladies, but she's there every day, I'm told. "'She is then of a literary turn, this young he- heroine of yours?' sneered the stranger interrogatively. "'That's just what she is, sir, so I've heard good on good authority they're a bookish family.' And as they rode homeward, Grimes went on to expatiate at length upon Marion's reputed literary tastes and acquirements." "'You're a good trumpeter,' remarked Littleton. "'Pray tell me, are the Clennanans wealthy? Glenforce is a valuable place, and there's only the two of them, as I told you, "'after the mother dies. "'And the son doesn't get it all, as is usually the way with us?' "'No, and I dare say there's money laid by, too.' The next afternoon, Marion, reading to her friends in the wide, cool porch that ran along the front of the house at Woodland, saw a horseman coming leisurely along the road. As, looking up from her book, she sent a casual glance in that direction. It is the English gentleman, she said in a low tone as he drew rein at the gate. It was long since either Esther or Janet Burns had been able to go to church, and Monday's visit from Marion was anticipated with even more than ordinary eagerness because of the detailed account she would bring of all she had seen and heard the previous day of course she had not on this occasion omitted to mention the stranger in grimes's pew where my dear asked purblind janet straining her eyes in a vain effort to see him is he riding i surely heard horse's hooves yes and he is alighting at the gate said her sister what can he want here marion child will you call kitty to see what he wishes Eyes here, missus,' the girl answered for herself, coming round the corner of the house. "'What do you want, Sah?" Harrying down the path to meet the approaching stranger, "'I'm very thirsty and would be thankful for a glass of milk or cold water, my good woman,' he answered, lifting his hat to the ladies. At that, Miss Janet stepped forward and hospitably invited him to come in and rest himself for a little, remarking that the day was very sultry, and he must have found the heat of the sun very oppressive.' I have indeed, madam, he said, accepting the offered kindness with a and still a glance of mingled curiosity and admiration at the fresh, blooming face of the young girl guest. I think the sun shines with a fiercer heat here than in Europe, and if I do not intrude shall be very glad to rest in this shady nook till he approaches somewhat nearer his setting. Both the sisters assured him he was a welcome, and Kitty was directed to bring a glass of morning's milk and some homemade cake for his refreshment. The Mrs. Burns were good, simple-minded, unsuspicious women, Littleton an accomplished man of the world, thoroughly unscrupulous and selfish, but able, when it suited his purpose, as it did on this occasion, to conceal his true character by polished manners and a most pleasing and insinuating address. He was a fluent talker, and knew how to adapt his conversation to those with whom he was thrown in whatever station in life. He addressed the older ladies almost exclusively, but his eyes continually sought Marian's face, which glowed with interest and intelligence. He stayed for more than an hour, and made himself so entertaining that they were sorry to see him go, and gave him a pressing invitation to come again, which he readily promised to do. With thanks for their hospitality and a courteous adieu, he at last took his departure. A very fine-looking, intelligent, and well-bred gentleman, remarked Miss Esther, as man and horse disappeared down the road. He was ev- has evidently been accustomed to good society, added his. her sister. Has traveled a great deal, and knows how to describe what he has seen, but while he talked to us, his eyes sought Marion's face for the most part. Surely that was but natural, seeing how much younger and fairer than ours it is, Miss Esther said, with a pleased smile and an affectionate, admiring glance at the now blushing maiden. I'm sure she makes a pretty picture sitting there under the drooping vines with Caius crouching at her feet. How did you like him, Marion, dear? asked Miss Janet. My dim eyes cannot judge whether he's as calmly as Esther says. "'I do not think him quite so handsome as Kenneth,' Marion answered with some hesitation. "'He doesn't look so good and noble and true. "'But,' she added quickly, the color deepening on her cheek, "'I do not know him well enough yet to judge of his character, and he talks very well. "'Now shall we go on with our reading? "'I can only stay to finish the chapter, for you see the sun is getting low.' Littleton, as he rode briskly on toward his temporary home, was saying to himself with an evil smile, a purty girl, very young, hardly sixteen, I should say, and as innocent as a child. I flatter myself, twill be no difficult task to win her confidence, and learn all she knows. How much that may be, I have yet to discover determined to make diligent use of his opportunities he became from that time a daily visitor at woodland and so conducted himself as to win the entire confidence of all three ladies and cause them to look upon his visits as a great treat He had traveled much, and had many adventures to relate, and stores of information to impart in regard to the strange lands he had seen. He had spent some weeks in Paris during the late revolution, had witnessed the execution of Maria Antoinette, and of many of the nobility, and had had some narrow escapes of his own, all of which he described to his little audience with thrilling effect often too he brought a book in his pocket usually shakespeare's works milton's paradise lost or some other poem from which he would read passages in a rich mellow voice so exquisitely modulated that it seemed to double the beauty of the author's words Marion's soul was full of poetry, and she would listen like one enchanted, her eyes shining, her lips slightly apart, her breathing almost suspended, lest she should lose a single word or tone. Littleton, without seeming to do so, noted it all with secret delight. After a little he fell into the habit of accompanying her on her homeward ride or walk, whichever it might be, and of meeting her in her rambles, thus gradually placing himself on a footing of intimacy. And Marian had forgotten her first intuitive perception of his character. His charms of person and manner had come to exert a strange fascination over her. She thought of neither the past nor the future when he was by her side, but lived only in the blissful present, while he saw and exulted in his power. He made no open declaration of love, but when they were alone in the silent woods it breathed in every look and tone filling the innocent girlish heart with a strange, exquisite, tremulous happiness. Caius, always by her side or crouching at her feet, was the sole witness of these interviews, and Marion could not bring herself to speak of them, even uh, to her two old friends, who in their gallousness had no thought of harm to her from the daily travels of which they were cognizant. Sometimes Littleton drew her on to talk of herself, her home, her absent brother, and asked many questions in regard to him, which Marian answered readily because it was a pleasure to speak of Kenneth. She was eager in his praise. She would have delighted to show him to her new friend. You and he were both born at Glen Forest? Littleton one day remarked inquiringly. No, only I, Marion said, a slightly troubled look coming into her eyes. I and the brothers and sisters who died very young. Kenneth is many years older, and it was when he was a babe that my parents came here to live. Ah, and where did they live before that? Where was Kenneth born? Somewhere in eastern Tennessee, I cannot tell you exactly, for there was no town, no settlement, just my father's cabin and a little clearing he had made in the forest, and another a neighbor's half a mile away. Marion spoke hastily with half-averted face and a perceptible shudder. Why that shudder, my sweet girl," he asked, gently pressing her hand which he had taken in his. I was thinking of the terrible occurrence that led my father and mother to abandon the spot, she said, in low tremulous tones, and attacked by the Indians, in which several were killed. It is scarcely ever alluded to in the family, and I never heard the particulars. Then we will speak no more of it, he said, and began to talk of other things. Some days later they were again alone together. They had been climbing the hills till quite weary, and were now resting, seated side by side upon a fallen tree within sight of Glen Forest, the purty mountain stream that flowed past, its singing and dancing, almost at their very feet. Marion had her lap full of wild flowers, which she was arranging in a bouquet, Littleton watching her with a curious smile on his lips, glancing now at the deft fingers, now at the glowing cheeks. She looks very purty, very sweet and innocent. She had thrown off her hat, and the dark brown curls fell in rich masses over her neck and shoulders. Caius, upon her other side, seemed to be keeping jealous watch over her, regarding Littleton with something of a distrust she did not share. She had perhaps never been so happy before in all her short life. Neither had spoken for several minutes, when Littleton, leaning over, said softly, Do you know, pretty one, that I leave you to-day? Marion dropped her flowers and looked up with a start, her cheek paling and her eyes filling with tears. "'Shall you be sorry to see me go?' he asked tenderly, taking her hand and pressing it to his lips. Her eyes fell, her lip quivered. One bright drop rolled quickly down her cheek. It was a rude awakening from her blissful dream. "'Oh, why did you come at all?' she sobbed, "'if you must go away again, and so soon!' she did not see his exalted smile. Why, you know I must go, he said, since my home is not here, but I am very glad I came as otherwise I should never have known you. My pretty darling, the very sweetest, the dearest little girl I ever saw, she covered her face with her hands to hide the tears that would come, and struggled with the sobs that were half choking her. All the brightness seemed to have suddenly gone out of her life. Why had she let herself care for him when he was going away? and would never, never come again don't weep sweet girl dear marion it breaks my heart to see your tears and yet there is a strange pleasure in the pain because they show that you are not wholly indifferent to me that you have yielded to me at least one small corner of your precious little heart is it not so dearest surely this was the language of love and her heart leaped up with joy in the midst of her pain she did not repulse him now don't shed any more he whispered, for I will return to you, perhaps in a few months, certainly within a year. Oh, will you? she cried, smiling through the tears, lifting her eyes for an instant to see to his to meet a gaze so ardent that she dropped them away again, why crimson tides swept over face and neck. The sun had touched the western hilltops, and the trees cast long shadows at their feet, when at last they rose and moved slowly on in the direction of Glen Forest. He would not go in, and they parted at the gate with Do not forget me, sweet Mary, and I will not come again, he repeated. No, no, never, I shall never forget, she sobbed. But you, you will forget me when you are far away and meet other and prettier girls. I've seen thousands, but never one half so lovely or half so sweet, he whispered, as far as the last time he... He was gone, hidden from her, by the windings of the road. And Marianne hurried up the path to the house, sat down on the porch step, with her arms around the neck of her faithful dog, her cheek resting on his head, wept as if her heart would break him. Old Vashti found her thus. What de matter, child, she asked. You didn't hear no bad news. Marian shook her head. I'm so lonely, she sobbed. Well, that's bad enough, child, but don't you your heart out that way. De missus come back soon, please the Lord. So cheer up, honey, and come and eat your supper. I cooked a chicken and made some old dos muffins you so fond of." But Marian was destined to be more lonely still. Sad news reached Glen Forest the next morning, just as she was preparing to pay her usual visit to Woodland. Miss Janet, in her blindness, had missed her footing at the top of the stairs and fallen down the whole flight, striking her head with such force that she was taken up insensible, and a few minutes had ceased to breathe. The shock of the terrible accident brought a second stroke of paralysis upon the bereaved sister, and in a few days they were lying side by side in the little churchyard. They had been lovely and pleasant in their lives, and death were not divided. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baker Soft Story Classic.